When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. It's time for the Wrestling Inc. post-AEW Dynamite podcast live across YouTube, Twitch, and all the other wonderful platforms in this day and age of social media. I am Justin Labar alongside my partner in crime from Forbes.com. He is Alfred. This is nasty. Kanoa. Alfred, how are you doing tonight? Nasty as ever, Justin. Nasty as ever. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, big night tonight, AEW in Rochester, New York. Of course, uh, the entire show dedicated to the late Brody Lee, Rochester being his hometown, Rochester being where they had, had initially had tried to book uh, Brody Lee's debut as the exalted one for Dark Order. Of course, the pandemic altered all their touring plans. Uh, so a, a, a fun show tonight, but obviously with a tone of, of, of sadness, but also um, just, again, just trying to pay tribute to his memory and, and do good by him. We saw his family, which we'll touch on. Uh, overall, I mean, before we get into some news items and into the show uh, as a, as as a whole segment by segment, uh, what did you feel tonight? Were you were you looking forward to this show, or were you were you worried you're going to shed a tear? Like, what what was your mindset going into this? Were you waiting for a big debut? Yeah, I was looking forward to this show. It's funny because I woke up almost like it was Christmas. Like, you know, Bray Wyatt might show up on TV tonight. It could be exciting. And then early in the morning, that bubble was kind of burst because there were all these uh, whispers out there that, well, it's not expected that Bray Wyatt's going to show up. But what they did end up doing with the Dark Order, I thought was very touching. And I thought it was superior to what uh, Bray Wyatt would have done um, in the context of him showing up in Rochester. We're going to get into what they did there. But I thought that that was a really cool moment. Uh, but I was very much looking forward to this show. And for the most part, I think it lived up to my expectations, but it was not the perfect show. I'm the same way with you. I last night I had a moment of like, oh, tomorrow's Wednesday. Alpha and I are in the pocket. And I kind of I mean, I've been I've been booking fantasy booking the same thing. Yeah. Dark Order needs leadership. Uh certainly Bray Wyatt's out there, Wyndham's out there teasing, and it kind of feels like it's inevitable. Uh, so I kind of had that same feeling. And then, yeah, the bubble kind of got burst this morning. And I was like, uh, and then I had to like really just calm myself down. I'm like, I don't want to put, I don't want to put expectations that are just of my own fantasy booking. Just, let's just accept the show for what it is. Uh, but I agree. They did, they did, they did kind of pay off this leadership, uh, not on the same page, dark order problems tonight in a different kind of way was touching, which we'll get to. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it was, it was a show. It, look, it's a show that had to follow, you know, the grand slam of last week and an all out right before that. So, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's a reset show, but, you know, because there was big notable things that happened, but it is uh, eventually they have to cool down. They do have to slow up yeah. some nights. They do have to take a breath and 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 what goes up must come down, even if just slightly. Uh, so maybe that was kind of that tonight and all uh, all all things uh, called equal. Uh, before we get into the segment by segment, we'll touch on some news uh, before we get to the AEW piece of news. Let's talk about uh, NXT viewership, Alfred. Uh, NXT 2.0 viewership and key uh, demo rating down from last week, 655,000 viewers. That's down 12% from the previous week. And then a uh, 0.14 rating, the like 18 to 49 demo, that's down 30%. Yes. You're a numbers guy. Tell me Ooh. about this. Bad numbers, Justin. I'm, I'm very, My heart does break for NXT 2.0 because we've been talking about it 
for the past couple of weeks on our Tuesday podcast. And it's such a wacky show that I'm actually starting to fall in love with it. I just, I really do like a lot about NXT 2.0. It's very rough around the edges, but it's wacky, I think, in a good way sometimes. And uh, it actually did hold up in week two, where they went from 770 to 746. And I even said on the podcast, man, if they can stay around that 700,000 range, we might have something in terms of a consistency here. And for it to drop like that in week three to 655, it'll be very interesting because while WWE is treating this as a legit developmental, it's still a television show on a major cable network that is accustomed to being near the top in terms of how their numbers are. And USA Network does not mess around when it comes to canceling shows. So WWE, I just think it would behoove them to make an announcement that NXT stars can be drafted. Uh, or no, the main roster stars can be drafted to NXT because I know NXT is going to main roster. They really need to start coming up with people who people are familiar with in those veteran roles, because one thing that I like that NXT 2.0 is doing is a lot of the veterans are winning and they're slowly building up these new guys. And some of the guys that are on the main roster now who we don't see who I think would benefit in NXT, I think WWE needs to start consider bringing them down to NXT as veterans. I, I agree. You know, yeah, WWE has a healthy supply of, of guys and girls who were once credible at one point or another who are just sitting in catering or are chasing a 24-7 title around Raw or SmackDown. And and so why not? Why not send them down to Florida? Um, you know, I, I've, I've preached this for several years, even when it was the old NXT, when it was the cool third alternative uh, under Triple H's, you know, or at least more of his uh, fingerprint that was visible. Um, and I would say, like, you know, imagine a major takeover if uh, Triple H got in the ring and had a match against somebody. Imagine a major takeover if John Cena forgot. Like, and, I'm, and I'm talking takeovers like in the Barclays. I'm talking like the major, major venues that they sold out and looked and felt big time. I always thought, just imagine just what one program, one, you know, what kind of attention, what message that would send that, oh my God, John Cena, it's not beneath NXT. It's not beneath John Cena for him to step in the ring and have a major NXT match against uh, and pick the pick a top NXT guy. Uh, obviously, they never did that. And, you know, I don't think they're going to do that. But yeah, I agree. Like if you got the, you know, you don't have a lot, you don't have a bunch of John Cena's laying around. But if again, even in our truth, even just people that have been around for so long and once upon a time were in main events, that could do something to help just, you know, stabilize and give an identity to this 2.0. So yeah, absolutely. We'll see where the numbers are going to ultimately live uh, with as it is trying to define its new identity. Uh, something Before else. Before we move on, I just have to share this because I thought it was hilarious. Please. <laughs> Alfred looked like the coordinators of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Listen, as much as I don't like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that is very funny, Peter Bahi. <laughs> we win. Well, not not last week, but um, <laughs> the return this weekend. The return. Yeah, all no, the God. I can't, I, can't I can't wait to see the numbers for that game. Oh yeah, ratings. big ratings. Big ratings. Um, another piece of news headline. You can read more about it on WrestlingInc.com. Is Randy Orton. Uh, reportedly out of action. Obviously, Randy uh, not at Raw this past week with Matt Riddle. Uh, or, or Riddle. Uh, this is not the first time we've seen this happen. We've seen Randy disappear before uh, since being in this program. But most recently, Randy not there this past Monday. And PW Insider is reporting that he's not cleared to perform. Alfred, what does that mean? He's not cleared I mean, to perform. It could mean a million things. I mean, this could be a physical thing. It could it could be a bunch of things. I don't know what they mean by that. But this is the second or maybe even the third time that Randy Orton has mysteriously disappeared for weeks on end. I don't even think it was explained last time this happened to where uh, Orton just disappeared. And this is kind of tough because Riddle is very entertaining and he's a very funny character. But I think the character starts losing credibility where every so often, and it's not that far apart, he has to kind of make up for the fact that Randy Orton is gone and he's not around. And, oh, no, he's you know, he'll be back. So it's just kind of weird. It is. Well, I mean, it's weird, obviously, just to disappear again without these explanations. You know, I mean, if, if, if it was something as simple as, oh, he's just taking a few weeks off to be with his family, fine. But when we, find, when we hear reports from a PW Insider, he's not clear to compete when we've just seen him in the ring pretty regularly otherwise it, it, with no – noticeable moment of aha there was an injury there uh, it just makes you go what does that mean but i will say th it does kind of like i get what you're saying about riddle but at the same point it's almost like maybe that's maybe this is an okay thing to have happen because it, it, it makes for fun dialogue of riddle who's constantly annoying orton for then orton almost like just not be there for a few weeks because he just yeah. can't he has to get a break he has to take a break from from stoner riddle it's it's almost like yeah. you would write this intentionally if you if you know and, and i don't know i think it kind of does work but for all of us you know hearing these reports uh in the real world it does make us you know scratch our head and go what's 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 the deal with this what's going on i mean 
they're usually pretty forthcoming. If it's something like a wellness policy or whatever, they normally have to report that stuff, right? I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. An announcement. But yeah, it's very interesting. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, we're, I mean, Orton's one of the best. So hopefully, they, hopefully, whatever it is, he's back on and they can uh, keep momentum with he and Riddle. Because I'd hate to see that thing cool off because uh, they put a lot of work into thus far and it's easily, you know, one of the top three most over things that the movie is doing right now. So, oh, yeah. I was in the building for SummerSlam and that might have been top two, one of the most over things on that show. Yeah. All right, let's jump over some AEW news. Uh, this is kind of like a two-parter. Uh, so we'll start with what came out first in the day here, the headlines. And Brian Cage, uh, he did an interview recently on a on Dan Severn's uh, Toxic Masculinity podcast. And Brian Cage basically said that the AEW uh, could benefit um, from the EVPs having more of a final say on creative, noting how Tony Khan, AEW's president, uh, he is at everything basically creative and content-wise goes through him. He has final say on everything. And Cage thinks that, um, you know, while he's happy there overall and he's got great access uh, to Tony, he does think that it could help to spread out some of the some of the duties. Uh, so that's kind of Brian Cage's perspective. And then another story would uh, start to float out here uh, throughout the day, later in the day, Alfred. And this one is being credited uh, to Cassidy Haynes of Body Slam. And he's noting that the EVPs, have basically lost, you know, that, that, that at once upon a time at the launch, they did have more power. They did have a little bit more hands-on final say in certain roles. And now they've all kind of been delegated to their, you know, Kenny Omega, maybe with the gaming, uh, you know, Bucks are looking at are worrying about being the elite and, and merchandise. And that they, that's, that's just what, that's all they're doing. And that is, it is basically, it is the Tony Khan show. He has you know, pulled the reins, pulled the reins in on how much, uh, you know, power these these EVPs slash talents have. Uh, what do you make of well, this? This is a this is a you know, there's a reality show. It's on right now, debuting Rose to the Top. But this is a whole other reality show. Absolutely. If there's always going to be a show within the show when it comes to pro wrestling and backstage politics and whatnot. Uh, and I've been actually hearing this for a while now that early on the EVPs and everybody had their say. But then as the territory and the promotion went on, Tony Khan gained more power and it just became the buck stop with Tony. Philosophically, I really don't have a problem with this. I think pro wrestling in its heyday, if you look at WWE, it's at its best when it was Vince and Pat. Or maybe they threw in Vince Russo and Vince and Pat. But it was a very small collective of people who had a cohesive plan. I think uh, the idea of having a bunch of writers on a show and having everybody's input, it's a good idea in practice. It sounds like a good idea, but I just think it leads to too many cooks in the kitchen. It leads to cohesion issues. And I do like the fact that one person or fewer people have control of this because we don't want six Triple H's in pro wrestling. I mean, one Triple H is controversial enough in terms of a wrestler who also has that much power. I remember, I mean, I grew up in the era where Triple H was both a wrestler in his prime and a guy in backstage. And I mean, some of the stories you would hear in terms of not only the heat he got, but how political it got and how much people resented him, uh, it would get a little messy if it was too many of those guys. So uh, I don't have a problem with the fact that Tony Khan is now calling the shots by himself uh, and not really getting too much input for so many voices. Yeah, I share a lot of that same sentiment. Um, you're right. First off, it's it's Tony Khan's money. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I'm of the belief you know, you look at a Kenny Omega and a Bucks and a Cody, and you say, and may, maybe they have, but I, 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 I'm in the belief of, okay, let me see you write a check for a couple seven figures, a couple eight figures, uh, and, and then you, and then you get, you know, to, you get to be seated at the table. Maybe not that harsh. I do think, obviously, their, obviously, their, um, their lengthy experience in the wrestling business, granted as talents, but still their experience having traveled the world, I do think it's valuable. So I understand Tony Khan positioning them as executives and them being able to have his, have his ear more than anybody else and use what they've all experienced in WWE, in Japan, in Mexico. I, I get having them in uh, significant situations and positions with a certain extent of power, but I agree. The final say should go through Tony Khan. It should be fewer cooks in the kitchen. Uh, it should be. You know, he has them as counsel and as advisors, but at the end of the day, he needs to have control. And I think if he has taken more control as time goes on, that makes sense because Dynamite has gotten better as time has gone on. Tony Khan even himself noted that that first couple months there, um, you know, they had some sloppy Dynamites. It, 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 it had new car smell and it had excitement, so there was a, a lot of positive buzz still, but there was some sloppiness uh, of, of what we saw. And then the ship really did tighten up, ironically, when they when they were in, in Daily Center in front of no fans. We started seeing them really hit a stride. Um, so I, I agree. I, I think fewer cooks in the kitchen and, and, you know, the buck stops with him. And I know that people might say, well, 
what about Vince? You know, that we often criticize today that we hear, you know, Vince making this decision and, and, and things that aren't translating well on TV or aren't popular with ratings. I think the difference is, like you mentioned, 20, 30 years ago when it was Vince, and he had, and, and it was more pro wrestling. It was more his finger on the pulse of things. He, 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 it worked. Tony Khan is far more in touch with things and his audience. That's the key. Who's your audience? He's far more in touch with his audience that it works for him to be the buck stops here. Vince, I think, could, you know, it, it could help him if he would be a little bit more uh, in touch with things, but he's, he's a 76, 77 year old man. So what are you going to expect here? So, um, so this is going to be something to watch. This is going to be a big story that is going to continue to have layers on the onion peeled back as time goes on. We'll see. It exactly. does seem like that. And even with that promo that Cody cut about a month ago when he almost retired, where he was kind of giving a nod to the idea that there was infighting between him and the Bucks and, and whatnot. I mean, this is always, especially the bigger AEW gets, the harder it is going to be to maintain those personal bonds that they had when this company opened. And I think hopefully they're going to be able to maintain a professional relationship, but I think it's going to be very difficult with all these competing interests for them to all continue to just get along as buddies. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. If if you If you had to ask me, you know, we're seeing all these names of WWE, WWE guys to, to AEW. You know, eventually it's going to swing the other way. Yeah, I mean, maybe not as drastically, but eventually AEW contracts are going to come up. And and so if you had asked me who would be like the most surprising name you could see in AEW right now to end up at a WWE in the next couple years, I mean, surprising, I could actually see Cody Rhodes. It, you, you never you know. know. It could happen. I could see it. I could absolutely see it. He says nothing but good things about Triple H. And, you know, he didn't leave on the best of terms because he was upset with the writer who he felt wasn't really paying attention and whatnot. But don't think that. I mean, he showed up to WWE after he um, uh, left WWE, showed up to honor his father and whatnot. I do think that the lines of communication are still open between those two sides. Yeah, I mean, and that would be probably the most shocking of what you could think of right now because, again, he's an EVP and he's one of the centerpieces. And I'm not saying, that, you know, I'm not suggesting that. It's going to happen next month or even next year but i'm but as people always wonder you know yeah there's the there's the young aew grown stars the mjfs the wardlows the brit bakers and you can think about oh well, maybe you know then and, and maybe one day they do show up at WWE. you know that's just that happens in the business but in terms of shocking name an evp showing up there obviously he would no longer be an evp he would be you know come to come to you know terms with with that title and 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 leave but i don't know i i think that i totally believe if i had to pick a surprising name that would be a surprising name to me yeah, uh, a, little like bit, a little bit of breaking news uh and i'm seeing other people in the chat here brian barry 499 to jump in and say bobby fish versus sammy guevara next week really that's apparently it apparently oh, bobby fish confirmed it on his twitter oh, very interesting very very so uh, a lot going down uh of course sammy guevara is going to be a big part of what we're going to discuss uh tonight uh hojo to go balinski five dollars do you think tony khan taking control stems from the bantering that was reportedly happening between the evps i, I think it's probably just again tony realizing like oh he he could drive it best if he has the vision knows what he wants he's going to deliver it best he's going to know he's not you know it's not a okay i'm going to rely on you to do these couple of things and then if it's not the way he wants it or if things are inconsistent or if things are duplicate i, I just think it's just like any great leader you know you want to have control of things you, you can delegate appropriately but at the end of the day you still need to know and have full control i i, I mean i don't i i don't know I, I i maybe who knows maybe he noticed some maybe he noticed oh this this could get bad for the locker room this could rub some of the other guys the wrong way yeah. that the EVP, you know, I don't know who knows what he sensed, but I think it's the right decision. I think this is inevitable for Tony Khan. And I think it is important that Tony Khan in his position establishes himself as an authority because he started this company. You see, he's kind of an easygoing guy. It's easy for people to confuse him with, Oh, he's just a fan who happens to have a lot of money who could, he bought a wrestling company and this, that, and the other. And the longer you work with other wrestlers, I think the more that dynamic starts to creep in that, well, what do you know about wrestling? Have you ever been in the ring? And so if you're making decisions with these people who they have that over you, uh, it's better for you to just have authority over them and say, okay, I'm the boss and that's what I know about wrestling. So I think that gets rid of that dynamic where they're going to think they know more than him. For sure. You know, yeah. And if, if, if the guys in the locker room see him making a decision and see the buck does stop with him, you know, that's, that, that's going to help gain respect. If there was any, if there was any respect that needed still, still to be gained any which way. Um, yeah. It's kind of proving yourself uh, that, that you do belong and you know, yet you have the mind for the business you're here for. 
All right, so that was uh, your news headlines. Again, check that, all that, and more out at WrestlingInc.com. So we jump into Dynamite tonight from Rochester, New York. Uh, CM Punk victory laps. He comes out, uh, uh, just does his lap around. To uh, This is going to be every city. He's got to make the appearance, do the lap, uh, stage dive, don't stage dive. Uh, but he does a, a long a long strut, a long strut to the commentary table. He's going to be the fourth man on commentary tonight. Of course, I Punk. He was great tonight. I thought he was too. I mean, no surprise. Obviously, Punk had a, yeah. a, a stint when he was injured in WWE, where he was on commentary for uh, like you know six, eight weeks there, and he was he was hilarious. So, um, what I liked about Punk on commentary too, uh, he like he doesn't feel the need that he has to speak all the time. There might be a, a, a two minutes, which is an eternity on live TV. There might be two minutes that goes by he doesn't say anything, and and he realizes he doesn't need to because whatever else is going on has it taken care of. So I, I like that. Um, so Punk comes out, and then after Punk, Adam Cole's music hits, big old pop for him. Uh, and then Jungle Boy's music <laughs> hits, big old pop and sing along for him. I mean, in the first two and a half minutes, we hear three songs, three entrance musics, all of which people are are singing or humming or are dancing to. I mean, this cut. I mean, talk about Tony Khan obviously loving the old original ECW, yes, which used mainstream, you know, uh, alternative and rock and grunge songs and everything. Like this, this has that feel. This is this is as much a rock show of involvement as it is a pro wrestling show. I think this is some of the draw of AEW. This is the type of thing. And as much as philosophically I have a problem with two baby faces essentially having a match, even though one of them is supposed to be this big heel, I actually love the entrances in that from CM Punk to Adam Cole to Jungle Boy, just three super over guys who they're singing their theme music and all these people having such a good time is very hard to turn away from if you're, you know, people don't turn the channels and flip through channels anymore. But for an outsider looking in, it just looks like a cool product, like a party that you want to check out. Absolutely. Uh, so Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy. This obviously a uh, great way to start the show here. Uh, the holy bleep moment of the match from the fans vocally was uh, Adam Cole on the apron. Jungle Boy going from in the ring to out of the ring. Hurricane Rana onto Cole off the apron onto the uh, outside of the floor. Uh, that's not enough to do it all, though. Uh, Adam Cole would actually quickly get back in control of things. Hits a Panama Sunrise. He, n- a kick out a near fall. I'm not crazy about people kicking out of the yeah. Panama Sunrise, but nonetheless, kick out. Ultimately, it's going to be a low blow when the ref doesn't see, uh, and then knee to the back of the head. Uh, Adam Cole is going to get the victory here. Uh, before we go to the shenanigans uh, after the match, uh, what'd you make of this? Uh, what, this is one of the dream matches, right? Adam Cole comes to AEW. You got a long list of who do you want to see him work? Jungle Boys, uh, I know, is on many people's list. Uh, did this live up to the hype for you? Not necessarily. I thought it was a fine match. I would have liked them to build up to this later. I, I missed the fact that this was going to be on this week because they had the stare down um, at uh, AW Grand Slam on Rampage. And so I was thinking they're just going to kind of milk this thing and we're going to get a couple of weeks. And I think with a couple of weeks build, this could have really been a hot match. But kind of in this slot, it was like more of your basic television match. Good match. I had no problem with it. I thought Jungle Boy looked amazing with that Hurricane Rana he had on uh, Adam Cole. Uh, but I, I was hoping that this maybe needed a, a bigger build, and this seems like more of a pay-per-view match, although pay-per-view is probably what, the November is the next time, yeah. so I don't know if we can wait that long, but it, it was fine. After the match, we get uh, the rest of the elite coming out uh, in the ring to join Adam Cole. Uh, Kenny Omega, of course, touting about all the, the great compliments he's heard about uh, how, how great the match was against Brian Danielson. Uh, notes he's not going to give him a rematch. Uh, Brian comes out, says he's Kenny no balls omega that of course gets the chant going that'll be the next shirt on pro wrestling tees tomorrow morning oh, yeah. um so kenny omega really pissed about this and then uh, uh brian ends up having uh you know drastic express and christian they all come out with them and they all storm the ring chase off the elite we would of course find out that um friday on rampage we're gonna see brian danielson up against nick jackson of the bucks so yeah that's gonna be excellent yeah so that'll be something i, I think they're taping that match right now uh wow. in rochester so that'll be yeah, a reason to tune in if you want to tune in to, to Rampage at ten o'clock. Yeah. Uh, try to help 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 get those help get those numbers back up. Where do they need it? Yeah, they do. They really do. All right, so we get uh, Dante Martin and Matt Seidel up against Cody and Lee Johnson. This is going to see Lee Johnson tagging himself in. He's going to finish it off and get the victory. And then after the match, as Cody wants to start to cut a promo, uh, being interviewed by Tony Schiavone, he wants to call out Malachi Black and get another shot at this. Arn cuts him off, says enough with that. Black has destroyed all of us. Um, Arn starts pointing out all the weaknesses that Cody's had, uh, not, and not just focusing on finishing the damn fight and, and just pointing out weaknesses. 
And then R proceeds to give us an analogy. <laughs> Stay with me on this one if you didn't, if you if this is the first time you're hearing of this one, if you didn't see the show. Arm proceeds to give an analogy of Cody, you and I are two different people. Cody, if you're at the red light in the car and a guy comes up and tries to carjack you, oh, okay, sir, have whatever you want, just don't hurt me. Arn claims that if it's him, if Arn Anderson's in the car at the red light and somebody comes up, Arn's pulling out, and I'm I'm not exaggerating. Arn said all of this. Arn's gonna pull out a Glock, blow their face off, <laughs> and then drive off. <laughs> he calls Cody a loser and says, Lee, come on with me. I'll coach you because at least you listen to me. <laughs> what? Did 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 talk about the Bucks stuff here? Did Tony Khan approve this promo? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm glad he didn't. If it got by him, because I thought this is fantastic in terms of Arn's performance. I mean, out of left field in terms of where this went. The more he was talking, the more I was like, okay, where is he going with this? And it just got more and more wild until he talks about the Blicky. Arn Anderson stays with the Blicky, the Glock that he pulled out. Listen, it was a it was a one way to get to where they're going. I like that they're teasing friction between Arn and Cody because Cody really does need to go in a heel direction. I mean, these fans were booing the hell out of him again. I know it's Rochester, so you can't really put all your stock in a in a New York territory for the first time with all these smart fans. But this is generally the reaction that Cody has been getting uh, now for a couple of weeks. And I just thought that this was a good way to start it off. I mean, it was very random, but Arn Anderson got his point across based on a spot from the match he had with Malachi Black, and and I like this direction. Yeah, I mean, I think Cody going heel is certainly, um, you know, I mean, they have a lot of baby faces. This company has a lot of baby faces that are over. And heels who get cheered, including Malachi Black. They need actual heels who are going to get booed. Sure. Uh, so, and, and, you know, look. Uh, AEW is very again. They listen to the audience. They're very clued in. They they they. It's not ta- you know. It's not taboo for them to to acknowledge uh, wrestling websites. To to to. I mean, teaser again for anybody who didn't watch Dynamite and who just watches the show to kind of pick it up. Bruce Pritchard's name got dropped yeah. on on AEW later in the night. So like they, they acknowledge that there's a whole other wrestling the, the whole wrestling universe out there. Um. So maybe lean into these reports. Lean into these reports and play off of Cody's heel turn uh, uh, of being an EVP with, uh, you know, some egotistical uh, moments. You know, why not? I mean, you got a reality show right now. That's all. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I just think lean into it. I mean, I I, uh, I think it, it would it would be very on AEW brand to do so. And the the audience would would be right there with it. They would appreciate it and they'd, they'd buy into it. Yeah, and the fact that they reference EVPs to refer to the Young Bucks, even though it's extremely violent people, nods to your point that they definitely are in touch with that backstage knowledge. So somebody like an, somebody cutting a promo on Cody, calling him out for abusing his power, would get huge reactions from this audience. Nathaniel Cook, 499 Super Chat. What do you guys feel about either Omega or Danielson eventually dropping the title to a young star like a Darby Allen or MJF? RIP to Brody Lee. Love you guys. Thank you, Nathaniel. Uh, I mean... I mean, there's certainly, again, there's a crop of younger talent like the Allens and MJFs that you're waiting to see. When are they going to get the world title? We've seen Allen with the TNT title. So, yeah, I think that that's, uh, you know, Omega or Danison. They want to build up that, build up as much uh, equity as possible, right? And then to, to, to hand that title off to eventually. I still think it's going to be Hangman Adam Page when when he's ready. Hopefully he comes back as hot as he was. There's a lot of variables in wrestling. I mean, there's no guarantee he's going to come back and just pick up where he left off. But, I mean, I felt like I said the same thing when the pandemic happened and people came back. He he picked up where he left off and then some. So I have uh, no trouble believing that he would the next time he's back, and I think it will be him. All right, so we got a six-man uh, tag match here. Moxley, uh, Darby, and Eddie Kingston up against Anthony Green and Bear Country. And this is uh... – Pretty much just Anthony Green making his dynamite debut, just getting his ass kicked. Uh, for the most part, Moxley's going to get the win on him, and then after the after the match, uh, Anthony Green's going to take a Scorpion Death Drop by Sting. So uh, nothing much to this match other than a way to you know get a lot of stars out there, some FaceTime, Sting, Darby, Kingston, and Moxley. Yeah, uh, just a good old-fashioned trio squash. I think they should do more with Bear Country. They're just really impressive-looking guys, especially when you watch AEW. There's a lot of smaller guys, and they are just kind of – they stand out in terms of their just sheer size and how they're able to move around. I love the one comment uh, – <laughs> the one question Punk had on commentary. He goes, is it Bear County or Bear Country? <laughs> and one of them goes, it's Bear Country. He goes, oh, that's a lot more acreage than <laughs> – 
She's great today. <laughs> All right, uh, Matt Hardy, Money Matt's in the ring to get a little heat on himself. Runs down Rochester, New York. He notes how he was supposed to make his debut in Rochester, and of course that did not happen. And he's glad because Rochester does not deserve to have Matt Hardy make his debut there. Uh, runs down Rochester real quick, uh, and then here comes uh, Orange Cassidy and the Dark Order. Uh, they're going to be up against the Hardy family office. This is a 16-man tag match. Um, so this is chaotic in a lot of ways. Dark Order, uh, of course, also has negative uh, one. Uh, Brody Lee's son uh, there with him. He makes the entrance. Uh, Dark Order immediately in the first half of the match, the entire story is, again, they are now on the same page, mainly Evil Uno. Uh, he, you know, There's just all kinds of him and I think Alex Reynolds, there's all kinds of bickering. Uno is walking out. He's, he's arguing and leaving, going up the ramp, and then he's cut off by Ty Conti, Anna Jay, Negative One, and Amanda Hoover, uh, uh, Brody Lee's uh, wife. And uh, and Amanda, you know, she basically, if you, if you listen to Read Her Mouth, she's like, Read Her Lips, she's like, what are you doing? This is for Brody. And just kind of gives them a, a, a kick in the ass, get with it. They all get back on the same page. They hit the ring, and then I tried to start writing them down, and I just threw my pen in the air. It was some of the most amazing, crazy-ass team sequence of, 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 of spots to dive and, and whatever to, to take out. Again, you got 16 guys out there, so you got a lot of, a lot of moving parts to work with. Uh, but that crazy comeback there for Dark Order, and then they hit just a sequence, a sequence of finishing moves. Ultimately, Dark Order is going to get uh, the win. I just All I wrote was insane closing sequence. They get the win, yeah. and then negative one. Uh, in the ring after, uh, of course, with his mom to celebrate a big Dark Order hug. Uh, real, t- you know, obviously the most emotional moment of the night was, of course, this uh, with all the Brody Lee signs, just a sea of them uh, in his hometown. Yeah, I liked everything about this. I mean, when I read that this is going to be a 16-man tag match, I was just thinking, how the hell are they going to pull this off without it being an absolute mess? And I, I thought it was incredible. I thought it was great and from how the crowd received them. They understood this was a Brody Lee appreciation night, so they really gave the Dark Order a great reaction, and they really kind of turned on the Dark Order when they started infighting because they were thinking the same thing that like Amanda Huber came out and thought. And this is what we alluded to earlier in that, yeah, it would have been pretty great if Bray Wyatt came. I really did love that fantasy booking of the idea that Bray Wyatt would arrive in Rochester. That's a kind of a poetic story. But I thought this was better in terms of if anybody is going to get them to immediately get back on the same page, this is very believable that it would be the late Brody Lee's wife. So I like that. I, I do too. And look, it's not uh, it's not out of the question. I mean, you know, sure. Bray Wyatt could still pop up and be the leader of the Dark Order at a later time. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, when I, when I heard the, the promotion for a 16-man match and I saw who was going to be in it and I saw Hardy, all I could think is like, you know, uh, having worked with Matt, all I could see in the picture is Matt in this in this corner trying to like organize this chaos <laughs> of all these guys because uh, he's the most veteran, he's the most accomplished, and naturally he's going to be the one that's going to get the first um, nod of, of from everybody saying, "All right, Matt, how, what do you, how do you want to do this?" Yeah, um, and him trying to quarterback this 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 scene. So, yeah, uh, well done. Um, very fitting. Good, 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 good ending to the first half of the show. Yeah, Alfred, Leo Rush. Yes, Leo Rush. He he is a leverage buyer. He's coming to AEW. I like it. I mean, he did retire uh, previously, and now I'm glad that he's back and he's healthy. And uh, very excited for my guy Leo Rush. I I really like that they're giving him kind of a character and a gimmick and a financial gimmick, if you will, to where he's going to be counting some stacks and some dollars. So I, I like it. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I mean Leo Rush. He's one of the most impressive athletic guys I've ever seen in the ring. Yes. Uh, and that's, I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of guys in the ring, as, as I'm sure you have and as our fans. He's one of the most impressive athletic guys. So to think of him as a regular, reoccurring character, full-time character in AEW, again, with the options of opponents and stories that are there. Uh, but that, and that's the in-ring, you know, me salivating about the in-ring stuff. But like you said, you know, a, a character, a money character, and, and, and stories that could be told, promos that could be cut, cross a pass that could be crossed. Uh, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm happy to see Leo Rush that he's coming out of retirement. You know, whatever that was about. I'm glad, whatever it was. I'm glad that he's uh, seems to be uh, um, AEW. You know, all all elite. Yeah. All right, we get another Dan Lambert promo. <laughs> 
Uh, he notes and puts over Chris Jericho, but then he proceeds to say how they bashed Jericho's face in last week, his head in, and that that Jericho knows no more Fozzy, no more Jericho matches, and the fans will no longer be able to swing on the balls of Jericho. <laughs> Is that going to be a shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, the balls of Jericho? Has to be. <laughs> Has to be. Uh, then Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, they each get their moment uh, and put over how, you know, how, how strong they've been in the records, how, you know, how they... You know, they're, they're top guys. They dress like it. They talk like it. They look like it. Um, and they're and they're not going to be ignored anymore. So you know, no interruptions here. No no brouhaha. Just a hey, guys, go out go out there for five minutes and, and get yourself over. And all three of these guys, they're, this is this is working. Yeah, it is. And I love Ethan Page in this because they are starting to get what chance. And there's two ways that people typically handle them. They either address them head on and have some zinger for people, which sometimes that'll just lead to more what chance. But Ethan Page just talked right over that and he just stopped his cadence to where he wasn't going to pause and he was going to just keep talking. And you guys aren't going to want me. And he just screamed them down. And I thought it was very effective in getting these people to then turn on him like he was a heel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Because I I do think they needed to speak up a little bit more. I thought Dan Lambert had kind of been, and and obviously Lambert's a great heat magnet. I mean, he got the shut the f up chance. I mean, but you know, you do want to make sure you're you're getting over the 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 talent who's standing beside you. And I thought they got themselves over tonight uh, in a big way with what they said. So we'll keep an eye on what uh, what's next. I mean, you know, Jericho presumably, obviously, will resurface eventually. Is that where they pick back up, or is it something else? Um, But Dan Lambert, American team, top team, here to stay, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. All right, so we get a a, a, a rare women's tag match. We get a Penelope and uh, the Bunny uh, up against Ty Conte and Anna Jay. This is a really good women's tag match. I got to admit, as it, I mean, I just i I kind of thought this would be the kind of a popcorn match. To be honest, I'll admit that, but I, I pleasantly was surprised as I'm watching. I'm like, I, I'm leaning in a little bit more. I'm taking more notes. This was a really good match. I thought this was uh, fun to watch. I thought all four. Four ladies brought it here. Uh, the finish here is um, the dangerous Jay kick uh, into the Queen Slayer submission, and uh, that was the victory there for the baby faces. And then again, another uh, another heartstring moment. Negative one comes out, and a uh, big hug to the ladies, and, and they celebrate with him. Uh, commentary giving a quick giving a quick subtext of uh, how he had become you know very close to to those two ladies in particular uh, in the last year. So again, another 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 moment where you wipe a little tear. There's no shame in, in crying when you're watching the show. Yeah, I, I agree with you that this is very good. I like the presentation, and this seemed like an actual tag team match because both of these women were matching it. It made it seem like there's an actual AEW women's tag team division because they yeah. that matching gear. They both came off as traditional tag teams, and the Jay and Ty Conti are Ty J, so they have like their name and whatnot. So this was presented like two teams against each other. I think that's what stood out the most to me because you haven't seen too much of that in AEW. Whenever women do tag, it's more of a random pairing of maybe two top baby faces against two top heels or whatnot but this seemed like an actual tag team match i'm glad you brought that up because I, i'm a i'm a stickler with that i i don't like it when i i, I appreciate when there is a wardrobe coordination yeah. and i and i i because otherwise what what more screams of of the booker just slapping two singles people together and saying you're gonna be a team so, sometimes that actually happens but if it's gonna happen and if it's gonna happen more than once and you know about it and you can you, you got a seamstress on site get some get some coordinated gear together yeah so, absolutely yeah, good point all right uh, up next <laughs> another promo uh that has everybody talking uh, i'll try to do this one do this one justice <laughs> mjf out to the ring with of course wardlow uh standing as a shadow mjf noting the pillars noting jungle boy noting sammy guevara noting darby noting how he's beat them all and mjf noting how Without AEW, this company would be shit. They ain't nothing. Says he deserves a world title. Says Tony Khan, you're in my top two of favorite cons in, in pro wrestling. And uh, and kind of notes, like, look, if I'm not going to get what I want, I got people. And he notes back in his day of ML because of his days in MLW, he's got Bruce Pritchard on speed dial. So this gets people uh, popping. Uh, CM Punk, of course, notes. That's nothing to brag about. Everybody has Bruce Pritchard on speed dial. <laughs> Darby <laughs> Allen comes out, interrupts him. Darby says, go on, Max. Just leave. Nobody would care. Um, also, Darby also notes, hey, Max, I've won a title since being here in AW. You have not won any titles. Uh, so that rubs MJF the wrong way. And then MJF takes it to the next level. MJF 
starts to mock about uh, Darby being straight edge. And Darby, why are you straight edge? Let's tell the story. And then tells a story about Darby's uncle, who uh, who, who who was a drinker apparently, and and died in a died in a car crash. In which I believe they said Darby was in that 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 that, yeah. that car. So um, the crowd just really getting in. I mean, you know, crowd starting to give a lot of heat, give a lot of the uh, chance to MJF. MJF also calls Darby. Um, it kind of notes his look as a school shooter mime on a skateboard. Yeah, that's the line. <laughs> so two gun references tonight in this show. <laughs> Again, Tony Khan, did he approve the script? <laughs> yeah, or maybe he's just a gun's right guy. Maybe we, we don't know Tony Khan's politics. Maybe he's a Second Amendment guy. Um, and, and Darby, again, Darby does not Physically, he closes his eyes. He doesn't touch MJF. He says, "I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do what you want me to do. You're not gonna break me mentally." And that kind of enrages MJF, and he just storms off. Um, there's so much to unpack here, Alfred. I, I mean, first off, uh, the, the the WWE hints. I'll just leave naming Bruce Pritchard, basically naming Nick yeah. Khan. Yeah. Uh, what did you react to that? And also naming MLW. I think it's going to fly under the right over. MLW does not have the best relationship with AEW. Those two sides, uh, due to AEW, quote-unquote, stealing their talent, uh, not the best relationship. So MGF was getting super spicy in this promo, and I just, I liked um, the fact that he goes so far in order to try to get this heat. And this is very believable. Like, this might be an art-imitating-life situation three years from now because of all the talent in AEW. And I'm not the first person to say this. I won't be the last. MJF is one of the most WWE type yes. talents in yes. AEW. He's a traditional heel. He doesn't work the flip flop fly style. He works like, uh, you know, he reminds me of Ted DiBiase when I see him in there. And uh, him saying that he might go to WWE is not that far off in terms of people's uh, believability of that. So I did like the WWE references. We'll see. You know how much they let him do this because I don't think they should make this a, to a full blown thing because you could work yourself into a shoot. Uh, but I, I thought this was fine. Um, and Jeff is just like the kind of story with him is that he just keeps going a little further and a little further. And I wonder if there's a such thing as MJF going too far in a promo. Uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of uh, also was kind of teasing into this. I forget, was it on social media? Uh, he was saying, like, you know, all, all these guys from VKM that are coming here, you know, he made a, you yeah. know, so he's making a reference to Vince. I mean, so he's definitely. This seems to be coordinated. It seems to be a coordinated thing of uh, I'm going to rile people up and, and threaten that I'm just going to go <laughs> to WWE. Because you're right. He is a very WWE. Uh, you, you would think you know, everything you said, he he kind of fits in that. I think obviously I think real life here. I think I think he would probably express legitimate concern about if he went to WWE. Uh, Vince would hear pro- some of his promos and say, hey, pal, we got to you know, that's that's a little bit too much or it's a little too real or, um, you know, and so I, I could see him being. You know, real life naturally uh, hesitant by that, but in terms of the story, it, I mean, what a—he's the rich, spoiled kid. Uh, what a better—I mean, what better for him to? What better threat could he make? If I'm yeah. so good. I'm gonna go to Vince McMahon, Tony. If you don't give me a damn world title match. Um, I mean, I gotta say, if—I mean, now I'm really kind of long-term fantasy booking here. But if 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 it comes to if we eventually get to Brian Danielson getting a rematch and eventually taking the world title off Kenny Omega. A Brian Danielson as a world champion up against an MJF. Uh, I mean, what? I mean, the 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 most the best babyface you can think of. The guy even still babyface the company he left, <laughs> and, a, and a and a and a self pen column a night before he debuts and uh, for his first match. You know, the ultimate babyface and Brian Danielson against the ultimate shit heel and MJF. That is, I mean, really that that's that's big pay per view. You know, uh, marquee right there. That would be great. I, I don't know. Whoever, whatever babyface takes the title off of Kenny Omega, I think regardless of who it is, MJF should get the first shot. I definitely think. And if it is Brian Danielson, that what you just painted out, I think would be very intriguing. Yeah. So we'll see where they go. Obviously, it looks like MJF and Darby, though, are going to have uh, something here to be done for the time being. And, of course, then you still have the Wardlow factor. You still they, 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 they tease it, then they drop off of it, and they tease it again. It's kind of a very long threaded story of you know eventually mjf uh, is gonna is gonna poke his uh insurance policy one too many times uh not not the lloyds of london insurance policy but the M- <laughs> but the warlow insurance policy they got a couple of shout outs tonight they did all right main event time tnt title match uh of course it's got a little bit of significance too again rochester Brody lee show Brody the 
uh, you know, paying homage to to to, to Brody as, as a as a former TNT champion. Uh, so Sammy up against defending champ Miro. Uh, Sammy goes for a shooting star press at one point in this match, gets caught by Miro, who then transitions into a belly to belly. Oh my goodness, that Miro then misses, kind of like he was kind of like going for like a dive or a splash in the corner, misses, and it takes a pretty hellacious bump over the the turnbuckle off the apron to the floor. Um, and then to which right after that, Sammy goes after them by doing a crazy dive over the uh, ring post and turnbuckle. And then we get to the finish here. Miro's trying to, he's got uh, Sammy beat down. Miro's now trying to rip all the paddings off the top turnbuckles. Uh, Fuego comes out, quickly distracts a little bit. That allows Sammy to come in, hit Miro from behind. Miro hits the unex- the exposed uh, turnbuckle. And then Sammy, tornado DDT. And Sammy goes up, nails a 630 senton. For the one, two, three, Sammy Guevara is your new TNT champion, as we, of course, kind of alluded to earlier in a comment. And uh, so Sammy Guevara getting a huge singles title, a huge victory, huge singles title. Uh, we noted earlier by the comments uh, he's going to take on, apparently, Bobby Fitch next week on Dynamite. That's pretty big. Uh, Sammy Guevara, certainly, again, another baby face that this company has to build around for the long term. Yeah, and um, I... I love Sammy Guevara, but I'm not a fan of taking the title off of Miro. I just, I think that, especially in this way where it's really stemming from what I feel is a comedy storyline in terms of Fuego del Sol gets this new car and he's kind of getting beat up in a cartoonish way. And he, and that was kind of intriguing, but for that to spin off into how Miro loses his title, I mean, I thought he was doing such a great job with that title as a redeemer, but um, it's good for Sammy for winning this because Tony Khan views that TNT title as somewhat of a world title as a one B to the world title. And he's made it very clear in interviews that he only lets people win that title. If he feels they're ready to be in the main event and uh, akin to the intercontinental title of the eighties and nineties. And so this really is a big step for Sammy. And I hope this means that Miro, if he moves on from this TNT title, if they don't go back to it and maybe put the title back on him, which I don't think they're going to do. I hope this means that he gets, leveled up because he did a great job as champion uh, throughout this run yeah i'm torn with this for, for, for the reasons you said about the tnt title significance that they try to hold on it and you know despite them trying to say oh like rampage it's not going to be a b show so far it's a b show yes. but i will say tony khan i think has done a really good job world titles always in our minds going to have okay world i mean that's just that's just in boxing and anything world title heavyweight title those are terms that are synonymous with the number one so but so but but they've done a really respectable job trying to present and give all the reasons of like this tnt title is of equal status hence it being the main event tonight and hence it not being you know hot potatoed around as you said it's 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 been the 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 title changes have been calculated so uh, for that i'm happy for sammy but like you said miro has been hitting a stride this this these are the words of the redeemer. I mean, this, this is, I mean, he's, I'm doing God's work. I mean, I'm God's favorite champion. I mean, this has been, especially because we saw the, the blunder that was with him coming in, being the best man and all that ridiculous sh- shit. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, I don't see him just getting the title back. I kind of, part of me kind of feels like, okay, we're in Rochester again. They're tying everything into Brody. So I kind of feel like they felt obligated to need to do something with the TNT title, uh, something meaning a title change. And of course, again, Sammy worthy worthy to be champion, but I I am worried that Miro is going to suffer out of this. Um, I I don't know what's going to be next for him because I mean we've already we kind of fancy booked the world title picture is kind of crowded, yeah. Um, or, or or potentially crowded at least. I mean, in terms of guys and you know, you know, MJF and Brian Danielson and you know like guys we think that need to be involved in it. So I don't know. Um, yeah, and then I wonder like, do we see Lana show? Do we see? Miro's wife show up for real. I mean, he's, he's he keeps referencing he's referenced his wife several times in the promos and vignettes. She's a free agent. I keep waiting to see if she, I thought maybe she'd pop up tonight. I thought maybe that's how they're going to end big tonight. They did not do that though. Hopefully she does. But no, I mean that's a. I just think I don't know if Sammy Guevara needs that title just yet, and it's I don't think Miro necessarily needs it, but it was helping him get over. Like he was really aided by the fact that not only did he have this title, but he was so dominant as champion that those two things went one and the same. So I just feel like it'll be like a a fish out of water with him, not with that championship. I don't know where they're going to go with him. Yeah. They they did advertise next week as an anniversary for dynamite. They did advertise though. They're having the, 
What's the gimmick? Is it the the the, the gimmick ladder match where the winner gets a title shot? Yeah, the brass ring. Are they doing is that it, again? They're they're doing some uh, chat room. Help me out here. What's the gimmick? It's it, what's the gimmick they're doing next week? That was one of the things they advertised for next week's match. Is um is that casino ladder match? It looks like a casino that, ladder match. Winner receives a world title. There it is. Yeah. So I mean, so like I mean, you know, what what a response that would be if Amiro. You know, I mean, I, I mean, it's a title match. He's probably, not, I guess, not going to win. I mean, again, I, I don't think that he's part of the long term plan right now to be world champion. But I just don't want to see him. I don't, I don't all of a sudden want to turn around and him be back doing best man type stuff or, right. you know, just relegated to you know things that are, you know, far beneath him. So, uh, yeah, casino ladder match. So, thank you, everybody. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, overall, an entertaining show. Again, it uh, had had its emotion in it. it. Had had its had its comedy. It had its what did he just say? Uh, I think right out there with Arns. You know, Arn's Glock, <laughs> Arn's Grand Theft Auto reenactment. <laughs> See, now this has to be a shirt. You got to be careful with the gun representation. But this, a version of this promo, should be a shirt. I mean, we know Arn's lethal with like a pair of scissors. The whole thing with he and Sid, but like <laughs> the Glock and blowing dudes' faces off. All right, Arn, let's relax. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, so that was that was dynamite tonight. So uh, you know, a lot, a lot going on. It, it, there's so many things in the layers of AEW, from again, uh, what we're seeing on screen to some of the drama behind the scenes. It's a fun time, a uh, really fun time. We'll be interested to see what the numbers do tonight. Again, coming off the Big Queen show last week, uh, what you know, I, I got to think numbers are going to be in a decline, but I don't think AEW seems to be holding pretty strong of being able to hover at a million or or you know. Yeah. Or, so that that I mean that that's respectable. I think all but one or maybe even two of the last several weeks over the last month or two have been uh, at a million or over. So I do expect them to kind of hover over that one million. I don't think it's going to be like a 1.2 or 1.1, but maybe over one million, I think, is not out of the question. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, So that was Dynamite tonight. Of course, thanks to all the Super Chats. And uh, again, headlines, if you want to get more of them, WrestlingInc.com, around the clock. Um. Raj Gary, he's 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 off trot in the country right now. He's been tweeting some interesting things uh, of, of some teases and information he's hearing. So go hit up his uh, his Twitter if you like. Uh, Alfred, what do you got going on on Forbes this week? Going Forbes, talking a lot about ratings. We'll have a story on Dynamite's ratings tomorrow. Um, follow me on Forbes at This Is Nasty, uh, where I talk numbers. Very good, very good. I'm at Justin Labar. Uh, all things you want to hear from me, you can uh, check me out there on Twitter all day, every day. Uh, I'll be back next Monday for Monday Night Raw Talk. Alfred will be back Friday? Yes, Friday. You know, Friday? So Friday after yeah. SmackDown. So a lot of things uh, to look forward to. We're here with you again. Follow, follow, follow. Like, share, comment. Do all the things. We appreciate it. It is a real sense of community. You guys here with us every single week. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. It's all sharing it. Revel, be good to one another. We'll talk to you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.